Welcome to our evening service tonight. We're going to begin with number 214, Standing on the Promises of the Lord. Let's stand and sing with all our hearts to Him.
Amen. You may be seated. That's good singing tonight as we've come to praise God. I love the words of that third verse. Standing on the promises, I now can see perfect, present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. Standing on the promises of God. That's our hope tonight, and that's the joy that we have in our Savior. We'll bow, please, now in prayer. Father, what a great hymn we have been able to sing tonight to Thy holy name. And Father, the doctrine of the Scripture contained in these hymns of praise, well, Lord, it refreshes our hearts and it emphasizes again to us the great standing that we have in our Lord and all of the precious promises, Father, that have been given to us and the fact that we do not stand by our own strength or power. We are standing upon the Word of God that lives and abides forever. And dear God, the investment that we have in the Scripture and the great wonder and value of it, it is more precious to us than gold. Dear Lord, teach us each day how much we are to stand faithfully upon that Word, and we can do so with the confidence of the Spirit of God in us. And we have nothing to fear and no worry about the future because we are guaranteed that our future is secure by the promises that we have in the Holy Scriptures of Truth. Dear God, bless us tonight in our evening service. We're thankful already for a sense of Thy presence in the pre-service prayer time. And now as we begin this meeting, bless everyone gathered tonight in person. Encourage them in their hearts. Strengthen every believer. Watch over them. Answer every prayer, O God, according to Your will. And dear Lord, speak to those who are without Christ, both in our service and watching online tonight. Lift up and encourage those who cannot be out. We pray for Your hand of blessing on them. Pray for our brother George tonight, a little under the weather, and we pray that You would strengthen and bless him. And we think of those who are in need, our sister Serene, we ask for her tonight, and also our brother Ron, and others that are grieving tonight the loss of dear loved ones. Bless, we pray, Lydia and Lou. Bless the entire CU family. We pray again for our sister Flo, and be with her and the, the Prince family. Father, these ones that have lost loved ones in this past week, strengthen their hearts Comfort them. We know there will be times of great difficulty. There will be times of, of ongoing memories that just come back like a flood. Well, O oh Lord, when that happens, I pray Your Spirit and joy would also flood their hearts. For each one of these loved ones are in glory and rejoicing and singing the praises of our God tonight. And so, dear Father, hear our prayer we ask and bless us in the evening service. We think of the reading of Scripture, and we pray that its blessing would be upon us, and also as we look a little further into the Scripture tonight in the study of the book of Daniel. Dear God, remember all our missionaries. Remember all our sister congregations. We pray for those without pastors at this time. 
that the right man would be brought at the right time. And we ask that in the meantime that the congregations would be encouraged and not at all discouraged. Remember the ministry of Whitfield. We pray for our school. We give thanks for all of this ministry and work that you have placed within our hands. Dear God, bless the administration. Bless all of our teaching staff and our students and parents and everyone that's involved in a great way or a small way. We ask, Lord, to preserve this ministry. We know the devil would like to cause it to be torn down along with our church and our families. But, oh God, we pray you would rebuke the devourer and do not allow him to have his way. Put a hedge around all our ministry and bless us, Lord. We also ask again, Father, for every personal outreach, every opportunity of sharing the gospel. Oh God, we pray that we would know joy in pointing men and women to the Savior and give us the joy of leading them to Christ. So be with us now. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, hymn number 16, To God Be the Glory. And we'll stand as we worship.
Praise God again. They're singing for the Lord's praise tonight. It's good to hear you all rejoicing in Him. I'm going to turn, please, to Psalm 141 for our congregational reading. Psalm 141. <clears throat> As we read through this, I trust you will be able to make the connection, as we will be reading also in Daniel chapter 6 tonight. We're thinking the last time that we had our study, considering how that Daniel took his stand in the face of great opposition, obeying God rather than men. And of course, this man of prayer, well, he had many enemies. And I will tell you that you know yourself if you're going to take your stand for the Lord in this day, at any day, in any generation, you will quickly find and see those who are with you and those who are against you. And the enemies of God are always active in their attempt to undermine the work of God. Let's read Psalm 141. Lord, I cry unto Thee, Make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth and keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. And let me not eat of their dainties. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil, which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. When their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the grave's mouth, as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are unto thee, O God, the Lord. In thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Keep me from the snare which they have laid for me, and the gins of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets, whilst that I, with all, escape. And certainly in the context of the psalmist as he was praying this prayer, it was a testimony and a cry to the Lord in his day. But I wonder, as Daniel, some years after this, would have been making a prayer and thinking about his status in the kingdom and what was facing him, well, he could pray, Lord, let my prayer come before you as the evening sacrifice. As this man sought the Lord on a regular basis, so the psalmist did, and so should you and I, and make that the heart, desire, and prayer every day, that we will seek God with all our hearts. May the Lord bless His Word to you tonight. Welcome to our evening service. Good to see you here in person. And also a word 
of welcome to those who are online tonight as well. We had a few visitors in the service this morning, and that's always an encouraging thing. Some new folks that had not been in the meeting before, and let's pray for them that the Lord would bless them and encourage them and certainly bring them back again to have fellowship with us. We enjoyed our time around the communion table today. It's always a blessing to do that and the opportunity of welcoming our sister Chloe Hinbest back into official fellowship with us as member in the congregation. And this morning, I did not see in the service our sister Madwi, and I don't think she's here tonight, but uh, she was away in India uh, for over six months. In fact, it was closer to eight months, I think. And yet she was very faithful in being at all of our Sunday services, though we could not see her online. But on Wednesday nights on the Zoom, she was always there. And of course, the time difference was about six o'clock in the morning as we were having our prayer time at night. And she was faithfully there each time. And so we're happy that she's back in the service. She was here last Lord's Day morning. Of course, I wasn't here, and I didn't see her today. So I'll try to make sure to welcome her again next Lord's Day morning. But we're thankful to God for His hand upon her and bringing her back safely to be with us once more. Mentioned in the morning service, we want to extend again our condolences to the three families that have lost dear loved ones. Uh, to Lydia and Eunice and our brother Caleb, and of course, Lou in the loss of his dear mother. And then also we think of Flo in loss of her mother. And the service for Flo's mother will be this coming Saturday. And if you would like to have the details about that, it's on our email that we send out to the congregation. And if you're not on that email list and you would like to, speak to our brother Jonathan McAnally, and he'll be sure to put your name on that list. You can get all the updates of news and information, the church bulletin. All of those things are very important because it tells you all of the activities and ministry that's going on from week to week. And then, of course, the Prince family, as they also lost their grandmother, the three young people who come to our church. So remember all of these folks, much in your prayers. After the evening service tonight, there will be a meeting of the Youth and Young Adult Choir as they'll be preparing for uh, taking part in the Port Hope meetings. They'll be singing one night, and so please, young people, remember that tonight. Wednesday evening will be our prayer meeting and our Bible study. Remember that at 7.30. And then on Friday of this week, we are looking forward to welcoming the Boyle family from Mexico, Reverend Jason and his wife, Danielle. We were able to see them. They were in Calgary this past week, and at uh, the week of prayer, and they have been doing deputation all across Canada in our churches and taking also a little time of break. They'll be with us for just about almost two weeks and uh, speaking in our church next Lord's Day morning. Our brother Jason will be bringing the word and then a presentation in the evening service of his work in Mexico. And I think you'll be encouraged to hear what the Lord has been doing. And we want to also be able to take up an offering for them and for that work and so you come prepared for that next week, and I trust the Lord would bless their time with us. They will also be here to speak in the, in the Berry Church and also Port Hope, and also taking a little break for a few days in between. So we're looking forward to that. I must speak at the Scriven Memorial Dedication Service next Friday evening. Reverend Brian McClung, who is coming to be the 
Port Hope speaker in the following week of meetings, which, by the way, runs from October the 24th and uh, right through to the 28th. Well, his flight was not going to be coming in on time next Friday, so Brother Cranston asked me if I would be able to speak there at their dedication. I've been happy to do that. I've never been to that before, so looking forward to it. And I'll appreciate your prayers, not just for that meeting next Friday, but also on Saturday for the service, the funeral service for Flo's mother. Of course, the Lord's Day, our Bible study, and our uh, Sunday school classes at 9.55. We have classes for all ages, so please come along in good time for that meeting, and then 11 and 6.30 next Lord's Day. If you would like to go along to the Port Hope meetings, you're welcome each night at 7.30 from the 24th Monday to the Friday night. And even if you would normally come to our prayer meeting on the Wednesday night, if you would like to go up on that night, if you have that one free, well, you're free to go and do that. We will still continue on with our prayer meeting here, nonetheless, for those people who are not able to go. Those are all the ministry announcements I want to leave with you. Number 334, we will sing again to the Lord's praise. 334, and if you have an offering that you would like to give to the work of God here, the plate is at the door outside as you are leaving. We'll remain seated, please, while we sing.
That will be our song for eternity, the marvelous love and grace of our God to us. And as we were thinking this morning about the wonder and marvel and magnitude and greatness of so much that we have been saved from and where we're going, so much we've been saved to, and the great work of our Lord Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. One of the joys we, I had when I was over visiting in Cloverdale, and I'll thank you, and I know the people there will thank you for your prayers for them as they don't have a pastor at this time, and they are certainly seeking one and wanting to know the will of God, and they are faithfully praying for all of you as well. Well, we were able to visit with the Kelly family, and I read this morning that note of thanks uh, from Steve and Carol, and do continue to hold them up very much in the Lord. Carol is doing not too bad. I know that some of you know about her condition, and uh, it's very good, though, that they're closer to their daughter, Esther, because she's able to now give them a lot of attention uh, that uh, she was not just so able to give as being removed from a distance. And Steve was so blessed and so thankful for the memory of all of you folks here, and uh, he became very emotional every time he talked about the church and about you people. And so it was encouraging for me to be able to share a time with them and uh, look forward to seeing them again whenever we can. It's good to see also our brother Lou here in the service now tonight, and we want to share with you, brother, our condolences uh, for you and the loss of your dear uh, mother as she has gone to glory and gone to be with him tonight. So the Lord bless and encourage you, dear brother, tonight. Please turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read the first 11 verses. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage or loss. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man 
for thirty days, save of thee, O king. He shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Let's ask for the Lord's help now in the Word of God tonight. Dear Father, once more we have the great privilege of having the Scriptures open in a sacred service. And we come once more to pray for understanding and wisdom and discernment. We pray for the instruction of the Holy Spirit for us tonight. Give us understanding hearts, I pray. Help me, Lord, to speak the Word of God faithfully and clearly. Dear God, do not let anyone misunderstand. We pray for the salvation of souls tonight. We pray for the edification and blessing upon each one of us of Your people. Hear our prayer tonight, Father. Strengthen us with might in the inner man. Help us to take our stand on the Word of God, a stand for truth, to stand on the precious promises of Thy Holy Word. And dear God, make each one of us men and women of prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share with you tonight uh, the word that we draw from the context of this chapter and what we've read tonight, that Daniel was a life, a man whose life was marked by prayer. We know of other people in the Scripture who were known as men of prayer by their life, by the testimony and example that God has given us in His truth. But when we think about the context and the man that we have before us, his life, it radiates with this example for us tonight. And I want us to think about that and pray that God would help us and give us a deeper understanding. Chapter 6 of Daniel, as we noted in the last study, is one of the most prominent in the Bible because of the involvement of Daniel being thrown into the den of lions. He was a man elevated in 
by God's providence in in the nation of Babylon and also in the Medo-Persian Empire. He was lifted up very high, as we have read already, of the three presidents he was in the first place. The 120 princes that Darius the Mede had set in place in the kingdom was to be, were to be in charge of all of the king's goods, tax collection, and all of those details. And of course, they were to give account to the three presidents, so it was a well-oiled system of government. It seemed that things worked very smoothly, and they were intent on seeing that no tax would be lost and the king would not suffer any damage as well. And so in this, as Daniel was rising more and more in a prominent position, Darius was intent on making him the leader of the entire realm of the empire. So there would have been no one less than him apart from the king himself, Daniel would have been the go-to man. Very, very similar to what happened to uh, Joseph when he was in Egypt and he was exalted by Pharaoh in the kingdom. These men became very bitter and angry and jealous against the man of God. And in their bitter, anger, jealous state, they schemed up a plan whereby they could discredit Daniel because he held such a high place in the kingdom. They tried to find some area of compromise in his governmental dealings. They tried to find some flaw in how he did his business before the king, but they could find none. There was nothing against his character or person. No backroom dealings, no trying to advance himself. He was a man who was completely, from his testimony and point of view, in the hand of his God. And he was prepared for the Lord to move him forward, to move him to the side, or to move him back, whatever God intended. And he was not trying to leverage his position by his own dealings in the government. We could all take a page and a note out of Daniel's book, because sometimes we feel it's our duty, our responsibility, what we have to do to set ourselves in the right place, make sure that we're going to be in the right place for promotion or any other things to leverage our business or our place. Let's be careful about that. God has given to us wisdom and understanding, and He's given to us common sense, and we must use that according to His will. But be careful that we do not fall into a trap of self-promotion. The only place left that they had, they said, if we don't get something on this guy, according to his religion and his faith with his God, we'll not find anything. And that's why this whole scheme developed. And as the context shows us how they gathered together the princes, the counselors, the captains, everyone, and they almost barged in before the king. The setting is quite fascinating, actually, because here were these men, they're not the king. But they come and say, we have decided that there's a statue that must be on the books of the Medo-Persian Empire. And this statue king, and as they were talking, I wonder what the king was thinking. But then they said, because we want to see the king exalted. We want to see you, Darius, lifted up to such a high spot. And they knew the pride 
They knew how they were going to address this man, and so they did. And Darius, blinded by his own intoxication of self, he stamped and sealed that law, and it was put into practice. And by the constitution of that empire, that law could not be changed. It could not be reversed once it was stamped. And so there was great turmoil in the mind of the king. We noted last time in our study that as Daniel became very clearly a man resolved to obey God rather than men, because he in himself was a God-fearing man, a man of faith. He was a man of integrity. He knew what it was to live a clean life in the midst of a world that was unclean and filthy and corrupt. Does it sound very similar to today? How is it that you will behave yourself in your business? Will it be possible for you to live clean and pure and holy unto the Lord in the midst of a very wicked world? Yes, Christian, it is possible. Yes, believer, it is very much a realistic thing, an endeavor. And as you are walking with God in your workplace, in the place where God has called you to be, you be sure that you honor and set the Lord first and never be deceptive, never tell a lie, never deceive for your employer. Always be a man, a woman of character, of virtue, because that's exactly how Daniel was exalted by the Lord, by the excellent spirit that God had put in him. So let us pray for such an excellent spirit that the Holy Spirit, who is excellence in every definition, would be revealed through our lives. I pray that, and I know how I need to see that in my own heart, my own life. He was a man who was humble before God. The humility that was in him was the humility of the Holy Spirit. His life was not a charade. It wasn't a pretense. He wasn't playing games. He wasn't trying to impress people. He was a man who loved his Lord and his life was in the hands of his God. He was resolute in his faith. Nothing was going to take him off course. But he was a man that had purpose to his life. And I emphasize this the last time we were together because as you and I are living our lives, we would see the reflection of God and of Christ through Daniel because God's hand of providence was upon him. And he knew his calling. He knew what the Lord wanted him to do in his life. And he was doing it. And he was living his life on purpose. It was a relationship centered upon his Lord. And what a blessed life that was. And he could walk forward step by step without worry, without care. It was a carefree life. It wasn't a careless life. And there's a big difference. But here was a man who trusted every move that he made into the hand of his God. And he knew that in doing the will of the Lord, he was indeed fulfilling the purpose that God had set out for him. Daniel was fully aware of that law when it was made. He was aware of the implications of it and what it meant for his personal faith. 
He was a man, though, that was unfazed by that law because he lived by a higher authority. He lived according to the God that had saved him because he feared the Lord and not a human power. Oh, what, what it is to stand in such a way and to have not a fear of the face of man of clay, but a fear of the living and the true God. And how was all this? Well, quite simply because he was a man who walked by faith and not by his sight. And tonight, friends, I, I want to continue this theme of Daniel as a man of prayer. And I want us to see that his life, as a man of God, a man of prayer, his life was marked by prayer. His whole testimony as a result of that was molded by this man of prayer. And his character and who he was and what he said he was and how he lived, it was mastered and controlled by the God who was over him. And as we consider this, I pray that the Holy Spirit would once more impress this truth upon us and the immeasurable value, the immeasurable weight of this in our lives, that we would seek the Lord with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, with all our strength. I want you to notice, please, in the first place tonight, that he had established a pattern of prayer in his life. He prayed three times a day. Now, any person who has earnestly disciplined themselves to seek the Lord on a regular basis, they are walking in the footsteps of their Lord. Often we are told of, of the Lord Jesus in His life that He, a great while before the day, He rose and he went to be alone with his father. He went to pray. Now you would think that Jesus, we would think, there was no need for him to pray. But he went and he got alone with his father so that he would have undisturbed communion with the one whom he had known and loved from all eternity. And he poured out his soul to the one he had loved and did love with a perfect and complete love. For there was no disunity between the Father and the Son. And so Daniel, as a man of prayer, who was, had led a pattern of prayer in his life, he was following in the footsteps of his Master and Lord. And there are examples of many men of God who regularly set out this pattern for us. The Scripture, we have several of them. And I wonder, as we read through Psalm 141, that Daniel himself would have known the Psalms of David. They had already been recorded and written down by Hezekiah and by the men of Hezekiah's day. 
And so Daniel would have been brought up being taught these things. He would have read the Psalms as he was in the uh, kingly palaces in Israel before he was taken as a, as a prisoner to Babylon, as a young man being trained up in these ways. And I, how important this would be. How important is it for all of us to commit God's Word to our heart while we have time and occasion and opportunity? Because we never know the time of the day when these things may be taken from us. So my dear young friends today, boys and girls, young people, right up into our adulthood, let us take seriously the Word of God and the promises of the Word of God that we've been singing about tonight and hide them in our hearts and pray over them as I commend to you Daniel did. For David in the Psalms, he said these words, Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Did Daniel know that prayer of David as he sought God praying three times a day? The practical lesson that we learn from a man like Daniel is that the regular and central place he set to call upon God, it was a priority in his life. It was not something he was going to set aside as a convenience time. But he looked upon the seeking of his God as something that was vital to his own spiritual well-being. Brothers and sisters, is that the way you and I perceive our communion times with God? Or is it more often that we, we will just put it into a, a convenient season? We'll put it into a time where we can fit it into our busy schedules. We'll do it if we can. Not so with this man. For he had disciplined himself as a disciple of God. As a disciple of his Messiah, whom he looked forward to. And he believed very much in the coming of the Messiah. The one who would make his offering and sacrifice for his sin. In Psalm 141, David prayed that his prayer would ascend unto God as the evening sacrifice. And that fragrance of the offering that came up before the Lord as he smelled the smell of that offering, God was well pleased. And he received that offering. And as our prayer, as the incense rises, as the smell of that evening sacrifice arose, so let our prayers arise unto our God on a regular basis. On those special times when we get alone with the Lord. Life is busy. Don't think for a moment, though, that people in past generations had a lot of extra time in their hands and they could just fit prayer in because they had more time than we do. That would be a misconception. It is estimated that for a man to transcribe the writings of Martin Luther, he would have to work eight hours a day for at least 40 years. 
to be able to transcribe all that that one man wrote. Now, that does not take into account at all that Luther had to think about what he was going to write. He had to compose what he was going to write, and then he had to write it down. The volumes of theology, the books that he wrote, the personal letters that he wrote. And Luther was the one who said, I have so much to do today that I must spend three hours in prayer. And we know, friends, that that's not often the way we calculate life. Is there any wonder why a man like Luther became so, so great, so used of God? Because he had set his priorities right in his life. As Daniel had set his priorities right, following in the path of his Lord, following in the, in the shadow and in the cloud that would overshadow him of saints in his past, of David, for example. And what about Samuel, a great prophet, a great man of prayer? My dear friends, it is only when we get an understanding of our, of our great need. We don't come to the Lord as a, on a regular basis very often because we don't really think we have much need. We're getting along in life okay. Things are going well enough. And when, when is it that we really get hold upon God? It's when something has gone awry, something's gone wrong, or some great problem has been upon us. But that's not the life of a disciplined servant of God. For a, dis, a, a follower of Christ, as we desire and want to be, is one that will seek after the Lord with all heart and soul and mind and strength. And we will say, as the hymn writer did, I need Thee every hour, most gracious Lord. I wonder tonight, friend, is there some, some mountain in front of you that you just cannot get over? Is there a child in your family that has gone astray? or that is just not saved? Is there a broken relationship that seems to be beyond healing? And listen to the words of this well-known hymn. Is there a heart overbound by sorrow? Is there a life weighed down with care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing, all your anxiety, all your care. No other friend so swift to help you. No other friend so quick to hear. No other place to leave your burden. No other one to hear your prayer. Come then at once. Delay no longer. Heed His entreaty, kind and sweet. You need not fear a disappointment. You shall find peace at the mercy seat. And the chorus, all your anxiety, all your care, bring to the mercy seat and leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. This is the friend that Daniel knew. This is the communion that he had with his God. 
And this, my dear friends, is a lesson that we can learn from this man who had an established pattern of prayer in his life. Now we know that that does not mean that that's the only time that we pray. We know that Jesus said men, women ought always to pray and not to faint. We are to come and to make our request known unto God. But notice, please, the second thought tonight is that he was a man ready to pray at all times. We noted last time in our study, and I repeat this for you from verse 10, that his windows being opened in his chamber. Don't miss that because Daniel did not have to go in every time he entered his chamber and open those windows. It's a little point given to us to know that he was always ready for prayer. The windows were already open, pointing toward Jerusalem. And the idea of directing his prayer toward Jerusalem in the temple was that it was a prayer of faith. Remember, Jerusalem was actually destroyed by this time. The temple was gone. And yet he was directing his prayer by faith to the place where God promised He would answer prayer. It was on the mercy seat, the place where the blood had been shed. And that, my dear friends, is where we always will come to pray. It is on the ground of the precious shed blood of our Redeemer. And we have that hope tonight, and we have the blessed truth that no matter whether we see or we do not see, for our prayer comes to the Lord on the ground of faith and on the finished work of our Lord Jesus. But should we pray only so many times a day, or should we make it our continual communion? Remember the Apostle Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We are also commanded to be instant in season and out of season. Now, that certainly can be applied to our testimony, our giving out the gospel, our work for the Lord. Be always ready to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. But let that also be the spirit and heart of our intercession with the Lord. Call upon me, the Lord says, in the day of trouble, and I will answer thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Here was a man always ready to pray in every circumstance, and it did not matter what. We also learn that he was a man who counted faithfulness to God of greater importance than anything else. He counted his faithfulness to God of greater importance we learn that he prayed as he did before. He prayed as he did before. Have you ever been charged by someone who is not a believer, even someone who might profess to be a believer? Uh, you think you're holier than thou? It's never a nice thing for someone to say because always it's connected with Oh, you think you're better than someone else. You think you're more spiritual. You think you have a spiritual line to God, and on and on it might go. And sometimes it will be a criticism that is perhaps correct. 
But other times it might just be when you are trying just to be faithful to God. You just want to live your life for the Lord. You want to serve the Lord. And so those accusations or criticisms when they come, they're very hard. They're cutting. They're not easy to hear. And here is a man who, under the threat of death, under the knowledge and with the knowledge that that law and decree had been signed, that if anyone asks any petition of any God or any man, you are going to the lion's Daniel knew it. And yet, he went and he prayed as he had done in the past. Surely there would have been a word by some bystanders that complying with this 30-day injunction, it would be much more reasonable in the long run than simply going and continuing on and forcing a point on principle. But honoring God to this man was more important. Keeping the commandment of the Lord was of supreme importance to him, and he remained unmovable in that circumstance. He was not a man vacillating back and forth. He was a humble man of integrity, a man of faith, a man of prayer, And he faithfully followed in that path of righteousness that was of greater importance to him than anything else in his life. He was not deterred by any external issues. Whenever the government of his day made that law, it intruded into his spiritual life and his worship of the God of heaven. And whenever governments in our day intrude into areas of church government and of spiritual matters, we must be ready to take our stand for truth and the honor of Christ. And I say this openly that sometimes it will be clearer than at other times. And so much so that we need to pray to the Lord for wisdom and discernment and understanding because we do not want to be going against the Word of God. We don't want to be doing things according to our own will. We want to also follow the command of God to be subject unto the authorities that the Lord has set in place over us. And so we have sometimes what appears to be a conflict. We're commanded to obey the authorities, but we also must obey God rather than men. And so when it comes time in those areas where we're not exactly sure when to take that step, we need the Lord's direction. We need the Lord's mind and wisdom. Sometimes it might not be clear. When we have to discern between government overreach into the responsibilities that we have before the Lord and also our command to be good citizens and to have a good testimony in the community. All of these things are very important. In the case of Daniel, he was forbidden to pray. And that law against praying to his God was in direct, direct contravention and contradiction of the command of God. And his decision to obey the Lord and to disobey the law of the land was not just a good thing, 
It was the right thing to do. It was the right thing in the eyes of God. We are in our day and time facing increasing persecution that looms over the faithful church today. And Satan, what's he doing? He is tightening his grip because his days are limited. His time is coming to an end. And we know about the text in Thessalonians about the mystery of lawlessness that will come before the coming of the Son of Man. And Satan will be increasing his power, increasing his influence, increasing his reach and his stretch, and trying at every turn to disrupt the Christian church and every witness for truth and right. And friends, we must prepare ourselves to be strong in the Lord. We must prepare ourselves that when the writing is put into law, when the decree has been made, what will be our stand? Will we continue to obey God and follow in His pathway? Will we declare, as Daniel said, he knew the law, he knew what was written, but he went and continued on his worship and his service and his path of righteousness in obedience to a higher power. And that was a clear thing for Daniel in that day. There was no equivocation. I don't think he wasted, I don't think he lost a wink sleep about that because he just knew exactly what he had to do. And he continued on with it. He was a man whose life was established in a pattern of prayer, a man who was always ready to pray, a man who counted faithfulness to God of greater importance than anything else. But here was a man whose enemies knew that he prayed. What a testimony. They knew he prayed. How did they know he prayed? How did they know he went to his chamber and shut the door and closed himself off? Somehow they knew. I wondered how many times they asked, where's he going at lunchtime? Where's he going in the morning? Where's he going at nighttime? He just disappears. What's he up to? Did some spies follow him? These men knew that Daniel prayed three times a day very specifically. And I say to you, he prayed many more times than that. He's an untarnished testimony that he had. He possessed this in front of his friends, and he also possessed it in front of his enemies. My friends, there are two things that come out of this, consistency and transparency. He was an open book. He was a man when people looked at his life, they saw who he was. He wasn't trying to hide anything about his God or his position, his belief in the Lord. He had made that testimony very clear at the very early days of his life when he would not take the king's meat just as a young teenager. Moving all the way through when he interpreted the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and made a clear declaration, the God of heaven has revealed this to me. And that testimony had reverberated all the way down through all the kings of Babylon. And now we have a new king, a new world empire. And they're going to know the same things. The consistency and transparency of this man's life. They were markers. They were lights that shone from him. He did not hide the fact of what he was doing. 
What would have shocked his enemies at this time? What would have shocked them is if Daniel had not gone and done what he had done three times a day for every other time of his life. If Daniel had have given in and acquiesced to perhaps some of the advice, just keep low and keep quiet for a while, for 30 days, they would have been really shocked about that. But no, the enemies knew where he was going. They had set a watch, and they found out that he had gone, and he had prayed, and they had provided the exact recipe for how they were going to see his fall as they thought. I wonder, my friends, tonight, if we, and as we consider this, I wonder if we would be caught by such consistency and transparency in our spiritual life. Are we known to those who are around us as men and women consistent in our spiritual life, in our prayer life? I wonder if we would move the needle at all on the scale of those who are seeking to convict us of doing the will of God, seeking to convict us as being men or women of prayer. Now, my dear friends, these men, these enemies knew that he was about the business of prayer. One final thought. He was a man who prayed with thanksgiving no matter what the circumstances. This, to me, is a striking thing at the end of verse number 10. Three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In one real sense, this man was between a rock and a hard place. What would he do? What would he do under the stress and the anxiety and the threat that was looming over him? But we don't see any indication of that in this man of God. But what does he do in the consequences of being eaten by lions? He carries on his life. And what does he do? He lifts his heart to God in thanksgiving. He gives praise to the Lord for His grace and mercy in His life. He was a man who exuded that praise and worship unto his God. Now, we know the outcome that Daniel was given delivery and victory over that problem, a man of resolute faith. But can we ourselves, where we are currently, not knowing the future, can we, in the midst of our storm, give thanks unto God? Can we commit all unto Him, leaving the outcome into His hands? These are not easy questions because in the time when there is no threat, it's easy to speak of great, high, lofty spiritual principles. We can all do that. But when the pressure comes and the and the threat is before us. That's when we are proved. 
And that's at such a day when we need the grace of God to be poured into our lives. Because, friends, quite frankly, we have no might and no power of ourselves. And we cannot face the devil's attack on our own. We need to have the Lord's Spirit upon us. And that we would shine as lights among a critical and accusing world, trying to find fault at every moment. But that the Lord would strengthen us with this resolve to stand up, to stand for our Lord, to stand for Jesus, for the name of Christ, no matter what will be the outcome. And as God gives us that grace, we will be enabled to stand. And may the Lord make each one of us men and women of prayer. Let's close our service tonight by singing hymn number 676. 676. From every stormy wind that blows, from every swelling tide of woes, there is a calm, a sure retreat. Tis found beneath the mercy seat. Let's stand please to sing. we pray tonight that our hearts will be strengthened with might in the inner man, 
at the paths and the example of men and women of God in the past would continue to reverberate as that cloud of witnesses over us, and that, Father, we will be a bright, shining light in our day, to be salt, to savor, to preserve in the midst of a very brutal and corrupt and evil world. Lord, make each one of us strengthened in our prayer life. Make us determined, disciplined disciples that we will seek after our God to follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Watch over us. Take us to our homes in safety. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.